Welcome to the Wrestle Down! Wrestle Down! Boom, boom. This week, as <laughs> <laughs> I, Jeff Loppel, uh, Dennis Bruno, and our, Sensei Danny B, and our, and our mascot, Keen the Kitten Man. He's rubbing his face on the table for good luck. Yeah, uh, marking his territory. Because he saw, he saw the tables get used on the weekend. Uh, so, <laughs> we thought for this week we'd uh, start with a continuation of last week's talk. Um, we previewed the weekend of Too Much Wrestling. Too much. And now uh, we're just, I don't know, what, what are your highlights for the weekend of Fight for the Fallen, Extreme Rules, uh, two G1 Climax shows, I guess three if we want to count this thing and uh, this this whole weekend. And the and, Evolve show? And Evolve. Yeah. And anything in, anything since then, Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live. So much wrestling. Yeah. Um, I mean, if nothing else, it's this weird sense of appreciation for all the like anxiety of, how do I watch all of this? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, um, selectively. You got to yeah. cherry pick. Uh, absolutely love the G1. I uh, discussed wrestling with some friends of mine who have met through comedy sports, and they had ordered it of, I love the G1 just as a whole. Um, and after that, just kind of the the bits and bobs of Evolve that I really enjoyed, which yep. included Josh Briggs and AG mm. opening the show and arguably stealing it. Yeah, I love um, that match. Yeah, because like I'm, it's almost spoiling in the sense that like we get to see folks like Matt Riddle and Drew Gulak and Johnny Ger- and uh, Akira Tozawa and Adam Cole normally. So to get mm. to see the Evolve guys who I'm not really as familiar with, like Shotzi Blackheart and Brandy Lauren tear it up, was really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely put on a very good show. I thought that was like. I saw some people bad-mouthing it who I think... I'm just guessing it's because they're not familiar with like what they're doing. But yeah. like, I think it was a good wrestling show overall. You know, it lacked some of the Christmas, that, the crispness that you would find. <laughs> there was not enough Santa. <laughs> that could be any other show. I feel like there's indie Santa somewhere. Um, you hear those jingle bells. You know what's happening next. Santa's gonna slay. Bill Goldberg. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I, I like. I think it wasn't a great show to like introduce involve uh, evolve in a way because mm-hmm. it like continued so many things. But it was a good show. Good showed off their roster. Yep. Uh, still not enough women, but you know, I, I feel like that's indie wrestling as a whole. Yeah. Um, I went to. Uh, well, we can talk about this a little bit later. Oh, but yeah. I went to Uncharted territory last night for Beyond Wrestling, mm-hmm. and similar. I there was uh, three women total who wrestled. So you got uh. Love whoever fought does uh, John Silver, yep. Uh, Layla something right? Yeah, I wasn't familiar with her, but very very impressed. She's, she's pretty like, green, but I've seen her and she's really good. She's under five feet and takes a beating. Wow! But also throws a bunch of really good suplexes, including two Germans to the edge of the ring. <sighs> Lucky for her, John Silver is three feet. Yeah, <laughs> he's a muscly little man. And then he had Solo Darling and uh, uh, Chris Statlander, which yeah, okay. featuring Officer Magnum. Solo Darling's very adorable pup. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it, I, I would agree. And I mean, the New Japan makes no bones about the fact that, like, no, I mean, if you're going to see women, it's usually like Mio Abe coming yeah. to the ring with Taichi and just like sparingly having women involved at all because they have feds like stardom. Yeah, they don't, uh, it's like a cultural difference thing over there. So, yeah. but the ongoing narrative of, um, or at least the starting narrative, I should say, for B Block for the G1. Naito and Jay White, the front runners to win the whole thing, are 0-2. Oh, yeah, they are they're four points in the hole, which is interesting. I think out of... I mean, if you were to say that the four favorites are Okada, Tanahashi, um, Naito, and Jay White, mm. like three of the four are 0 for 2 right now. Is Tanahashi, did Tanahashi win one? I feel like Tanahashi won one. I feel like the favorites in A Block have all won at least no, one. No, he hasn't won one. Tana hasn't? Not that I... I haven't checked... Today's results. Yeah. Matano lost to Kenta, mm-hmm. and he lost to Okada. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all there's three favorites who are 0-4 right now. Yeah. Actually, and Abushi's 0-4, now that I think about it, because right, yeah. he lost to Kenta and Evil. Yeah. So, yeah, it it's a great way to start things off and, and cast a lot of doubt on who is going to win this. Yeah. Like, not only the block, but the tournament. Because, uh, yeah. Kenta's looking really good. Lance Archer is looking great, which, yeah. holy crap, am I in love with that guy. He's of great. Just, like, his late career resurgence. Yeah, um, definitely. 
Never would have guessed that, like, a seven-foot dude from Dallas with a pink fucking mohawk mm-hmm. would, or, yeah, it's a mohawk, cause, yeah. like, it, but it just flows down his, ah, uh, he's great. mullet. Yeah. Mo mullet. Um, Tomohiro Ishii is off to a killer start. He always is. Yeah. G1's, like, his season. Yep. And, like, it's amazing how much of a, it, like, a very hard-hitting pace that he hits in sets and continues it bah. Yeah, yeah, him, like, him and Cobb was one of my favorite week- matches of the weekend. Yeah. For sure. It started kind of slow. And then they just started being big, beefy boys, tossing yeah. big, beefy meat boys mm-hmm. over smaller portions of the ring. <laughs> I'm very sleepy. I've been weaning myself off of coffee. So, Oh, fair enough. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Um, they they look great. Uh, Juice Robinson, who I did not think was going to have as strong of a tournament, is off and running with two wins straight. Yeah. Beating Godo, who yeah. arguably would I had booked stronger in my head. But Juice is Juice, baby. Yeah, I think... Uh, I feel like it makes sense that Juice would have a stronger G1 this year because he, like, he came up with, like, what, six points or something like that last year? With a broken hand. With a, yeah, broken hand injury the whole time, like, storyline-wise and in real life. Yep. Um, So him not having that handicap, like, has unleashed him. Also being, like, fired up for fighting Moxley at the end. Yeah. Moxley doing good, too. Moxley's looking great, and his ongoing, like, mentor... Mentee relationship slash bromance with Shota Umino is super it's the fucking best hardening. It's the best part of the uh, the preview tags. Yeah, sure. Um, and like Shota, all he's got to do is walk around, carry the title for Moxley. Moxley's very nice to let him do that. Yeah, and do a lot of tag work, and it's fun. Yeah, They're, they got a good dynamic. Yeah, and it's cool. It's like a mini excursion for Shota, which I might have said already. I think, but like he gets to you know kind of train with the one of the uh, worldwide pro. Hell of a shine. Yeah. Um, I watched Fight for the Fallen, mm-hmm. and um, I still love that AEW put so much effort in uh, booking into their tag matches, because it was mostly a tag match show. Yeah. Um, my favorite one from the weekend, which surprised me, was uh, The Dark Order, which is player Uno and Stu Grayson, I want to say his name is, um, who basically looks like if you put Christopher Daniels in a time machine and then a dryer, <laughs> um, versus... Uh, Jack Evans and uh, Angelico. Uh, Angelico, and my surprise favorite new tag team in the whole company, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Yeah, who? God, the crowd was on fire for them. Yeah, I think uh, if I had one criticism about Fire for the Fallen, um, well, one there's like the production's all kind of kind of wonky, wonky. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, but like I think if I had one criticism, it's the thing that I was worried about when I found out the Bucks and Kenny Omega. And Cody Rhodes were all like, I was worried that they were going to get kind of uh, self indulgent. Yep. And I felt like both of the last two matches, and also to an extent the Jericho promo in between, were like, I was definitely checking my watch. Yeah. The, bat, la- the latter half of both, all those things. Yeah. I mean, going into the weekend, I was trying to pace myself in the sense that there, there was going to be too much to try to watch all at the same time. So I was trying to budget in a certain amount of time. And you're absolutely right. Me, I watched it with my friend Amancio, who. Um, we went to Uncharted Territory last night. He he's a lifelong WWE fan, like I was before. Um, you'd gotten me into like Eve and mm-hmm. New Japan and everything else. So there's always that like weaning in process. He'd watch um, Fighter Fest with me, mm-hmm. and we both pretty much had the same note of yep. The Bucks love to wrestle for a long time. Uh, so do the Rhodes. And the stream on Bleacher Report actually cut out halfway through the tag match, and oh. we were just like, we are tired. <laughs> it was midnight, and, oh, wow. like, we got everything that we felt like we needed to from the show. Yeah. Um, the tag dynamic was super fucking weird with the six-man with MJF and his team against uh, Darby Allens. Yeah, that one kind of just blew past me without, like, making much of an impression. I mean, they had MJF do a cartwheel and do, <laughs> like, a start off ta- Stardust taunt at Sean Spears, and I was like, who is on whose side and who cares who wins? Yeah, like, it's hard to tell. It's like without a weekly TV thing, it's yeah. hard to establish the characters as more than uh, like cardboard cutouts. Right, because like it, what seemed easy to read just from that presentation is that like MJF is buddy with buddies with Cody for reasons. Mm-hmm. Sean Spears is an asshole. Uh, Sammy Guevara doesn't seem to like anybody. Jimmy Havoc sort of doesn't like anybody, but is willing to work with his team. Darby Allen looked like a fired-up babyface, sort of, after yeah. fighting Cody tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. And they had a... Who the hell was the six-man? Um, 
And that's the thing, is that, like... I can't remember, yeah. It, it's a lot easier, as like, new fans and old fans alike, of just, like, when people have clearer motivations, it's easy to get invested with the matches. Right. And then you get to pick your favorites based on who already is, like, in that camp. Like, B. Presley and uh, Big Little Kaiju, that mm. was super fun. I did... Did I watch that match? It may have been part of the preview. Yeah, I didn't watch the pre-show, so yeah. I, I missed that match. It was fun. I mean... B Priestley and Rio were teamed yeah. up, and they did good. It unfortunately, uh, no, not B Priestley, uh, Britt Baker. Okay, that may, yeah. And Rio were teamed up, and unfortunately, Britt Baker got a concussion, so they yeah. they worked as best they could with that. Right. But um, big big little kaiju. I I can't hope to pronounce her name, but she looked great. She came out where, like looking like a little Chris Wolf mm. and wrestled with B Priestley. My first time seeing B Priestley, and she was great. Yeah, it's, she. She has grown a lot in the last like year because she's been uh, in stardom more or less full time for yeah. a while. She's their top champion right now. Yep. Um, yeah. So that match had uh, uh, TJPW's and Stardom's top champions uh, um, teaming up together. Yeah, That's pretty cool. They they look great. They look like pros. Um, Rio, I'm very much getting behind of just like mm. a very strong underdog babyface, which makes sense. She's 20, and mm. she probably looks like she weighs 20 pounds. And Britt Baker. I, I'm going to scream this to the heavens until someone can explain this to me. Why is being a dentist important? Why does it make you tough? Why does it motivate anything about what you do? It's cool that she is one, but, like, are you a sadistic dentist? Are you Isaac Yankum? What about being a dentist is, like, unique to what you do in the ring? It makes her smart. Why? Because <laughs> dentists are smart. They have to go to school. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, we're, uh, okay... Dinosaurs are smart. You know why? Because if they're not smart, they're dead. Uh, yeah, that's why they're all dead. That's why... There's one! Yeah. So Luchasaurus is the smartest dinosaur. Yeah, that's true. Cool. That's fair, yeah. I'll admit to him more than a dentist is all I mean to yeah. say. Which, like, I don't know, it, it almost appeals to, like, an inner child thing. I'm just like, I like a dinosaur more than a dentist, yeah. but... I think that they've, like, done a lot of the character-based stuff on, like, their YouTube shit. Yeah. Which makes it really hard to... I mean, accessible. Yeah, is is it's all good wrestling, but it's also just like I don't quite get the emotional connection that I do with like the guys I've seen in New Japan essentially, right. and some of the folks that I've seen like in other indies. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Omega versus Sima was cool, yeah. but I don't know anything about Sima. Yeah, I very much appreciate what they're doing with OWE and partnership and trying to tap into the Chinese market that's burgeoning. But Kenny Omega's Kenny Omega. Right. If he's not dancing around the main event, I am confused. Yeah. It's a... That was a really good match. A little too long, though. There was, like, a stretch where Kenny finally got, like, his uh, signature moves in. I was like, all right, I'm ready for this to be over. Yeah. And then it went on for, like, ten more minutes. Gotta get those Meteoras in. Yeah. Gotta do every Meteora. Yeah. I don't, I like Shima, so, yeah. But, like, yeah, it, it's, it was a too long a show. Yeah. I think, like, the, uh, the new kid on the block factor is kind of wearing off for them. Yep. I'm I'm ready for them for their next show, which is honestly a stronger book card. Like this mm. one was, it, it felt like it was booked like the the weakest of their three shows, which yeah. is fine because you got to get you got to get to the end yeah. point. Somehow. It was a, it was a benefit show, yep. and there were only two weeks between yeah. this and the free the previous show, and it was free online, so they don't quite have to sell it as hard as you know the the what's happening at uh, all right. out. Which yeah, when we preview that, I'll be more excited for it. Me too. Um. But it, it was good for what it was. Yeah. Uh, Extreme Rules. Um, it it's the, like it's so weird watching WWE become almost like TNA from 2006, mm -hmm. where the undercard is incredible. Yeah, and then you get to the main event, and everyone is just head in hands. Yeah, and it's like I don't even think it was that bad of a main event, but it was also a, like another four hour show. Yep, and uh, like what were there like eleven matches? booked maybe more than that yeah like, you know, not counting the pre-show even right like here's how i watched it and it's how i would recommend anybody watch it oh boy uh, my girlfriend's birthday was monday uh. and so sunday the day before we had a, a cookout at her place and uh, i got home at nine yep in time to watch the last two hours of extreme rules yep and then that was fine and then i watched the rest of it a couple days later and so i watched kind of i ended my night with the bobby lashley uh, Braun Strowman match, mm. and well, that was probably the peak of the show. Yeah. So I kind of got, I accidentally gave myself like a, an upward momentum uh, going through the whole thing. Yeah, it, that's a great way to do it, and it's funny because I didn't intend to watch the show it was, as it was happening, but 
our friends were talking about it by like 10.30 or 11, because I also spent time with my girlfriend, mm. so I didn't get the chance to walk through it from start to finish. Not that I wanted to, or, or had a burning desire to, so I tuned in right as Strowman burst through a fucking wall. <laughs> And in my head, I'm just like, man, WWE is so in love with, like, late 80s, early 90s references. Make him the Kool-Aid man. Yeah. If you're not going to treat him seriously, have him just bust through things. Like, because he was already doing stunts, like, lifting heavy things and throwing them over. Yeah. Have him burst through walls. It's fun. It's a good ma- It was a good match. It's a good, uh, probably the best use of Lashley since he's been back in WWE. You know, it, it. it's a great point that you make there. Like, a year ago, he was having killer matches with Reigns, mm. but he was so fucking, like, boogers on a plate and milk toast that no, it, it's so hard to get invested in people who aren't characters or mm. three-dimensional or have any clear want. So he's just like, I I put you through stage and I hurt your spleen. Yeah. But then he just fucking tears it up. Yeah. He's really strong. He's, he's, he's great when given the right, like, you know, spotlight. Right. Um... Wish Leo Rush was still with him. I like that act a lot. Yeah, whatever. I, whatever the hell happened to Leo Rush? But yeah, yeah I he's mean, off, he's off on vacation with Sasha Banks. Great. <laughs> I would be into the two of them just talking. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I loved. I I feel like the reception for this was kind of lukewarm because of the ending. But I loved Bailey versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Yeah, that was a good handicap match. Um. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny because Bailey's not a, a like a tall or particularly broad-shouldered woman, so like her looking like a giant is fun. Because, yeah. like, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross are much shorter. Yeah. They both got put in a submission by Bailey at the same time. It was a good I, spot. I really enjoyed that. And I think it would have been fun to see them as co-champions, but I am not mad about my girl Bailey not losing. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I, You know, it was a good match. There yeah. were a lot of good matches on that card. Like, I mean, Cesaro and uh, Alistair Black. Black tore it up. That was my favorite match match. Of yeah. Just, like, these are two guys who know how to work, and they beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. Great. Kofi Joe could have gone longer, but, you know, it was good for what it was. Yep. I, I kind of felt like it ended suddenly, but, you know, overall, very good wrestling all through the show. They got cooked for time. Yeah. Yep. I know. But it's too bad. You gotta, <laughs> gotta get the title on Lesnar. Yeah. Uh, I know. That's the thing that's, like, made me, like, that That really sours me on the show, just because we've done that twice now already, and yep. it's been the same each time, so, I mean, if they pull something out that's different, you know, I'm willing to tune back in, but... Right. Right now, it's like, oh, I don't... Sh-. And now it's like Rollins versus Lesnar again at SummerSlam, which is... All right. And then also yeah. uh, Natalia versus Becky Lynch, which I'm also... I'm more excited about, but not really excited about. They love their blondes. Yeah. They, and, like, Natalia is more than just, like, your average archetypal, this is who Vince McMahon likes. Yeah. She's she's a heart. Yeah. She trained in the dungeon. She knows what she's doing, but it's against Becky. Becky's should be a firebrand right now, yeah. and they just can't seem to stop pouring cold water on her. Yep. And Becky, it's uh, not... It's kind of their fault, but also it's, like, a lot of their most, like... You know, uh, the the people you would buy the most as, like, a contender are gone right now for one reason or another. Yeah. Which is too bad. I mean, yeah, it is. Because mm. the, they had the elimination match on Monday for who's going to face Becky Lynch. Natalia wins it. Mm. But in the match, you had Alexa, who, like, has a right for a rematch. But it, I, I don't, I'm not dying to see that done so quick with right. how rematch ever they are. Naomi's not doing shit. Yeah, she, so really, I, she should have been the winner of that. Right. One. So for me, I, I was hoping for her... Natalia is an okay choice, but like she's been champion so many times, it doesn't she doesn't really yeah. need it, and she's just she's a terrible promo. So you had Alexa Bliss, who's a great promo. You had Naomi, who's better in the ring in the style that they popularize, and then you got Natalia, who's right in the middle on both, if not worse than both. So yeah. like Becky's gonna do what Becky does, which is be great anyway. Yeah, I, I think just, and she yeah. and Natalia should have a good match. It's just yeah. like it's hard to get excited about these characters meeting because also Natalia is like. She's like vanilla. Yeah. Like, you just add her to anything, and, like, whatever it is overtakes her. Yep. Like, she's just, like, there's not much character there. She's a face or a heel, depending on what she needs to be. And she hasn't been on TV for, you know, a couple months. You get slabs of beef. <laughs> yeah, Natalia. Yeah. It's uh, a palate cleanser. Yeah. Um, but I did want to highlight another great match that's probably going to fly under everyone's radar on 205 Live. We had a rematch between Chad Gable and Jack Gallagher. Yeah. Uh fucking fantastic uh, have you had time to watch it i have not it's good it reminded me a lot of ishii versus Cobb Ooh. in the sense that it like started very it was g1 quality for yeah. sure absolutely would praise it that way right uh but it started very slow and i mean like every 205 live match like the crowd's like the fuck are we doing here and then by the end like 
When have you ever seen a 205 Live match get a standing ovation? Never. That's how good it was. Hot damn. It was so good. Um, nice. Yeah. It, uh, if it had happened on Raw, it would have been fucking star making for both guys. But yep. it was still good. It was good enough that I was furious that it happened in Worcester, Massachusetts. I could have been there. <laughs> I could have been. Tickets were. I, I had a friend at a. I went to a different cookout Saturday, and a friend was like, hey, tell me when. Uh, there's like a WWE show coming up. I like. I'd like to bring my wife or whatever. And I was like, "Oh yeah, let me look up when the next one is." Oh, Tuesday. Hey, you should like go then. It's you know the tickets are only like fifteen to twenty dollars. Yeah. And he lives in Worcester, and like he was like, oh, "I can't make it." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm not too excited about going to a SmackDown anyway." Any and now I'm like, "Fuck!" Right. Could have seen that. Could have seen uh fucking Ember Moon and Bailey get their thing started up. Yeah. That's a that's a women's match I'm excited for. Three women's matches on SmackDown. He had mm-hmm. uh, the Kabuki Work Warriors versus the Iconics, which is going to carry over to SummerSlam. Great. You had Bailey Ember Moon versus Fire and Desire. Mm-hmm. And then you had, um, it was a singles match, and I'm blanking on it now. Oh, no, it was, it was Liv Morgan's coming out party right. against Charlotte Flair. Charlotte, yeah. Yeah. So, hopefully an uptrend towards women's wrestling again for WWE yeah. in, like, the shadow of Ronda Rousey not being around full-time. Right. For sure. Um, yeah, was there anything else notable this week? Yep. Uh, Uncharted Territory oh, from right. last night. Oh, right. Yeah, duh. Yeah. Um, like, it, I'll, I'll encapsulate it as this. The shows are always great live. Um, I saw The Butcher and Blade as a tag team for the first uh, time. Oh, yeah. Love those guys. they are very good. Yeah. Like, a ma- like. If the Monopoly guy got <laughs> super jacked yeah. and then put a bag over his best friend and made a tag team, fucking great. Um, the quote of the night was by the promoter who you'd mentioned SmackDown was on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Before any of the matches started, he went, so did anyone go to SmackDown? Uh, I was in Worcester. <laughs> no one said anything. He went, good! <laughs> and then the match started. Ah, oh, Nice. Um, Chris Statlander beat Solo Darling. Solo Darling had Officer Magnum. Yep. He, uh, there were kids in the crowd. As soon as Officer Magnum was given to, like, a hander, they ran to the dog. <laughs> so the dog had a very good night. Um, Josh Briggs fought a- uh, AG in Again, the main. Yeah. It was very good. Um, the, the Platinum Hotties, or the, plat- the Platinum Valets that yeah, AG yeah. has, were in the ropes, just hanging out, waiting for the match to start. Josh Briggs beat the shit out of both of them to start the match. Nice. Yeah, I, when I went to uh, Untried Territory, it was uh, them with AG versus um, Kenny Dykstra and I think two other uh, women, female wrestlers. It yeah. was a nice intergender tag match. They're a good team. They are. They're, they're great. They're a much better act than uh, AG comes across on the Evolve show, I think. Yeah. They add a lot to his like aura. In person, absolutely. And the the biggest reaction of the night, before he even started wrestling, and every time he said a curse word, Nick Gage, that dude's got presence that I had never seen him when we saw the Orange Cassidy show back in April, Yeah, but he lit the room up just by walking in. Yeah. And that that element, I see like flashes of in Josh Briggs, and I want there to be like more star-making opportunities for Solo Darling, who mm. I think had more charisma than Chris Statlander. And I love Chris Statlander. Yeah. But, like, it's amazing how Nick Gage can just walk into a room, start yelling, motherfucker, shit, ass, kick, <laughs> and people lose their shit. Hell yeah. He man. knows exactly who he is and what he does well. Yeah. He's part of a tag team that is nerd death kill. Yes. The mm-hmm. Ovaltine dream is his <laughs> tag team partner. <laughs> oh. Yeah, what's, um, Tom Santel? Santel? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that guy. He's really good. And with Nick, it's it's a perfect odd couple tag team. Yeah. That, that like, lit me up through the ni- rest of the night, because that was, like, three quarters in of just, he's a nerdy dude who just, like, has very anxious <laughs> and unreally uncertain body language, and Nick Age will kill you. He looks like a nerdy version of Archie from uh, Riverdale, which Hell I love. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, he, I watched, when I was there, I, I saw him lose the, um... The Discovery Gauntlet. Yep. The first time, which the crowd <laughs> was fucking crushed. Yeah. It was like, I think it was the second to last match that we saw, and like, it it took away from the main event how badly the crowd wanted that fucking nerd to win. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Speaking of the gauntlet, uh, there was a gauntlet match, and zero to five minutes, how long can you guess how long it took? Five? One and a half. Wow. So, this dude who had never seen before. Comes out, he's got elbow pads, knee pads, it just says DG. I'm like, mm. oh, what is this? His ass says Red Death. And he's yeah. wearing all, like, red tights. And this guy comes out, I don't, re- I'm not really familiar with him, it's like Casanova or something. Oh, yeah, he's, he's the one who beat, um, 
Sintel. Yeah, and he was on a five-week winning streak, and yeah. like he came in, his manager who looked like the uh, main character, the main guy character from uh, Glow, yeah. set up a velvet rope for him. There's all this fanfare. DG is just standing there with a red towel, staring a hole in him. Right. Match starts. DG suplexes the shit out of him, puts him in a sharpshooter, and his manager gets the Casanova's manager gets on the apron. DG grabs the ref by the shirt and goes, "Don't." Leave <laughs> and just leans into the sharpshooter, taps him out in a minute and a wow. half. Crowd explodes. Yeah, he grabs the mic after he goes, "I am Red Death." <laughs> ah, <laughs> or submit and then left. Nice, In- incredible. That's yeah. how you book like really fun surprise squashes. Yeah, definitely. I think that was yeah. They do a good job. Uh, they only have a few episodes left of their first season. They which, do. Yeah. Hopefully they continue, but also on Twitter they said they lose thousands of dollars every week because of it. Oh, so that sucks. I mean, I'm sure they've like planned that in a little bit, yeah. and they must be, you know, doing better than expected if they move from Electric Haze to uh, the White Hall, yeah. the White Eagle Hall that they've been doing it out of now. So, right, fingers crossed. Yeah, they 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 try really hard. The talent works incredibly hard. The promoters and the staff are incredibly friendly. I love the announcing. Yeah. I hope it continues. Yeah, me too. Local wrestling. And if yeah, local wrestling. Mm. Even if not, you know, Beyond will always be there or, you know, should still be there. Knock on wood. Yeah. Uh yeah. Speaking of local uh local businesses, uh our show today is brought to you by Zed's uh Bounce House House. Uh, <laughs> home of the Build Your Own Bounce House no. uh, service. <laughs> uh the ad copy here says uh you think you're so fucking good complaining about <laughs> how our balance, bounce houses have have some pee and poops in them? Well, build your own fucking bounce house, fucko. Um, there are so many fucks in the sad copy. Jer's editing it down. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, it just it just goes on. Like, uh, you know, oh, you think you're so good? You think your kid's too good to get diseases? Well... <laughs> Why don't you rent some bounce house parts from me and build your own bounce house and see how it bouncing goes. Bounce ass. It's just... it's I, I, The service is basically for if you want to like customize your own bounce house, you, you get the parts, you get the, oh the plastics, you get the rubbers, um, <laughs> and then you, you blow it up and you attach them however you want. There's some glues and things that they give you. <laughs> they give you, yep, rubber and glue, baby. Yeah. What what kids' fantasy isn't just that? Well, like the parents do it. I know. And then the kids bounce around in them if it if it works right. Um, <laughs> I can't guarantee that. Uh, I think. I mean, as you can tell from the the tone of the ad copy, it's mostly a fuck you to people who complained <laughs> about uh, the quote unquote poops and peas oh, in God. in the bounce houses. Which, yeah. To be fair. That's that's part of the bounce house experience. Uh, if you're renting them from from a guy, yeah. Uh, halfway down this copy, there's just a wad of spit. So Zed is very happy about the service. Yeah, he spit at the paper aggressively. Yeah, I mean, well, he had to sign it somehow, uh. and uh, you can probably use it to clone him if if it ever comes to that. Uh, if the world ends, <laughs> and we need another Doctor Zed. Who? <laughs> Do you know how to provide the world with bounce houses? No. Yeah, neither do I. If the world ends, right. The top five priorities like food, water, shelter, bounce houses, baby. How we're going to have fun. <laughs> Video games aren't going to work. Nope. Uh, you know, it would probably be good for a wrestling ring for the like five people around who would probably still you know, remember wrestling. They could teach everybody on the bounce house thing. That's how it's related to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> That's how we were approached. That's why we said yes. And here we are. Yeah, well, he was also the lots and lots of Chips guys like friends. So Jesus. It was, it was sent over to me, and I was like, Yo, you know, this sounds like something that, you know, encapsulates the the, the spirit of this podcast. Yeah. Um, you know a very specific network of sponsors, and they have very specific offerings. <laughs> I like it. If, everything's a niche market these days, man. That's yep. <laughs> that's how that's how the world's going. <laughs> you find your echo chamber and you you sit in it and then you listen to them echoes. And you you bounce as high as you can. You eat as many chips as you can get a hand on. <laughs> Not at the same time, though. I don't recommend that. Uh, uh, one of the disclaimers on the uh, 
uh, the bounce house waiver uh, is that it will pop very easily. So try not to eat like sharp things like potato chips um, <laughs> within 20 feet of it. Um, and if also if your bounce house pops, uh, you are responsible for uh, all damages, uh, which you know <laughs> to yourself and others. Yeah, which seems fair-ish. <laughs> it's very altruistic of you for someone who already denied any responsibility for anyone who buys this product. You're you're giving them a dare, is what you're telling people. I'm not doing this. It's Zed. <laughs> Zed and his bounce houses. Um, you you can find him on Route Nine. He lives in the big bounce house. Oh god. Uh, yeah, he fucking he he walks the talk, walk and talks the talk. Um, <laughs> and just hates credit because he doesn't have a house that you would finance. Yeah, well, you know, if I, I from what from my understanding, uh, if Say uh, a bill collector comes, uh, he just deflates the house <laughs> and moves to a different state. Uh, Great. As far as I know, this offer is not a limited time offer, <laughs> but it might be. The circumstances are. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, we'll find out. Thank you, Doctor Zed. We think <laughs> he's not a doctor. I should. <laughs> I should really clarify that. Is <laughs> he's just Zed? Mm. Um. Oh, God. He has the listening device with which a doctor will listen to your heartbeat and rhythm, but not for medical reasons. He's just a curious man. Yeah, he has a stethoscope. There you go. And at the end of it, also, there's like a little thing that, you know, you blow air into so that you can blow up the bounce houses better. Oh, that's nice. He can help you out. Yeah. I mean, he's not gonna. (laughs) (laughs) But he could. He could. He has the tools, but obviously, if if you're doing the buy yourself a bounce house service uh you know you you're on your own if you um, ever wanted all the fun of setting up a bounce house with some of the passive aggressiveness of the guy who sold it to you and it's not gonna help doctor's head yeah i mean so i mean you know i i really it's an a la carte service for you know everyone's needs like if you you know everyone <laughs> i guess everyone in the market to rent a bounce house. There we go. Like, you know, if you want to rent one and you want to make sure that everything is, you know, up to code, you know, the bounce house codes. Um, <laughs> yep, no, we're, we're all familiar. Don't explain. You, you rent them, you, you, you do the build your own bounce house, and you got it. And if you... And <laughs> you, <laughs> yep, yep. But if you, like, you know, want uh, you know, to save some money... Get a cheaper bounce house, and you know maybe maybe the farts that have happened in it are lingering, but or maybe there's there's a bit of vomit. But you know what? Ugh. Maybe he sprayed it with a hose for a couple minutes after the last time it was rented. You don't, you know? Uh, then you save the money, and you got a bounce house for your kids. And what what what? You think your kids are are too good for you know experiences? Are you reading the copy <laughs> or siding with Doctor Zed? The more you talk about, this? I'm siding with Zed. Jesus. <laughs> This is not a pro kid podcast. No, I, I I love kids, but you know, <laughs> you got, sometimes you gotta scrape your knee and you learn a lesson, or or you fall into like a, a poop hole and then you gotta take a shower. Put that on a t shirt. I will. Um, <laughs> as soon as this podcast money stops rolling in, um, <laughs> yep, it hasn't stopped. Yeah, once we know the total of how much we've made. I mean, I just bought a blender, and I'm living that smoothie life now. Yeah. And it's a, it's an expensive life. There you go. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's the sponsor for this week, Zed's Bounce House House. Uh, on Route 9, look for the Bounce House House. Unless he moved out of state, in which case, look for him somehow. Yeah, if he moved out of state, I'm sure we'll like get an email uh, or, you know, carrier pigeon. Yeah, um, that's more high speed. Yeah, and then we'll you know update the listeners and let them know if you're not in Massachusetts, you'll be able to rent your own bounce house or build your own bounce house. There you go. It's all kinds of opportunities. Uh, so I think that is a good transition for. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sewed that up real nice. <laughs> <laughs> what is segment mania? <laughs> If not the bounce house we built ourselves. Bow, bow, we might get hurt. Bow, bow, it smells real weird. <laughs> uh, no, this is the one that doesn't smell weird because you built it yourself. <laughs> yep. 
You gotta build it yourself. You, they give you the plastics and the rubbers, and then, uh, well, not like it just sounds take so your dirty mind out of the gutter. Time. It's just rubber tubes that you 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 stick a thing in. <laughs> yep, really helping your case. Keep going, and then you, then you blow it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing dirty about that. Have fun, kids. <laughs> then you get the bounce house. Lots <laughs> of the bounce bells. Jesus. <laughs> For today's segment, Mania, uh, we wanted to talk about... Rebels! Yeah, favorite rebel characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, this is inspired by last Tuesday when Kevin Owens uh, cut his own variation on the the old CM Punk pipe bomb promo. Yep. Uh, pointing out how Shane McMahon gets too much TV time across two shows and it makes uh, WWE leave off uh, a lot of talented younger stars. Yep. Um... Yeah, uh, what do you think about Owens's turn? I think that it's a breath of fresh air. It feels like when he had his program for WrestleMania where he was going to be the face against mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan and they shuffled him back to be a villain against Kofi for whatever the reasons, if Daniel Bryan was hurt or not. This is what they were building towards. Yeah. Just like him as a fresh run as a face, which they haven't done in WWE before. He's taking the ball, he's running with it. He's literally doing stunners, so there's very clear uh, references to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, the word is that he's cutting promos that are based off bullet points and not pre-written for him, mm-hmm. which <clears throat> the best talkers, that's always when they do the best, when they speak in their voice with their ideas, and hopefully it ties back into the larger narrative that the WWE spins, which it always does if they want to go in that direction. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm, I'm hesitant about it because <clears throat> we're, I think, less than a year removed, or maybe a year removed from, like, Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens before. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, like be- between Natalia finding her way back into the women's uh, uh, title scene, Brock Lesnar getting the universal title back, and us getting back to Owens versus Shane, I feel like they're just doing, <clears throat> like, 2017 all over again. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the, the there's a lot of things that are the same. AJ yeah. Styles is United States champion again. Yes, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of similarities that you outlined there. And in part, I don't think there's any denying that part of this is treading water before the Fox deal and right. every other change that they're going to have to do in the fall. That's a good point. Yeah, the Fox so, deal is probably I mean, it, it's, them. it's a little bit jarring as a fan because the summertime is usually their experimental phase, which, holy shit, they have been, with Baron Corbin and uh, Lacey <laughs> Evans leading the charge. But it is also a time for, like, Kevin Owens' brand new face to try to break out, which True. he's already he's already has the love of the fans. So I right. feel like you can only win if you give him foils like Ziggler, who's a goddamn paper tiger, <laughs> and Ziggler has already moved on to the Miz because he already got ethered by Owens that fast. Yep. Um, you, you're right in that we're not even a year away from Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens, but the alignments are flipped. Yeah. And Shane McMahon is so insufferable <laughs> as just a presence in the fact that like he's beaten. He's beaten cancer survivor Roman Reigns. Like, I've said it before. It bears infinite repeating of just, like, they burnt that goodwill so fast already. Yeah. So to have it transfer to somebody who could do more with it, who's an actual full-time main roster wrestler like Owens, is good. That's a good point. Yeah. Though I, I do <clears throat> worry that Shaman Van is still involved in, like, two other feuds. Or yeah. one other feud, at least. So it's... Whether Owens actually gets his, you know... uh Gets his shine is up for debate, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see how that works out. It's goods and bads. Like, when he made his WWE debut, he was in a feud at the height of his powers and introduction with four people. Mm-hmm. John Cena on the main roster, True. Samoa Joe, Sami Zayn, and Hideo Itami in NXT. Right. Simultaneously. True. So, sometimes if somebody gets hot enough and touches multiple people, everybody gets elevated. Um, which has been the complaint against Shane is yeah. that he's touched so many people that are just deflated now. Right, like the Miz is like a, like a poorly built bounce house. <laughs> yep, he is Doctor Zed. Yeah, but like a less charismatic. <laughs> yeah, Zed. of course, Zed has the most charisma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was able to get such a good price on this bounce house that I'm building. That's right. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's I I do, but I do like the promos that uh, Kevin Owens has been doing. Um, it's just like the long-term feeling of I've been here before, Yeah, you know, is, is, makes me hesitant, but I'm also willing, it's definitely more exciting than anything happening on Raw. Yeah. For sure. 
It and it's consistent because yeah. I mean, three week, two weeks ago, people, I myself specifically, were over the moon about the idea of what the Canalises could do with mm. my, with Maria Canal saying, "I'm pregnant." Becky Lynch could have gotten me pregnant because you're not much of a man, Mike Canalis. It was jarring in the good way yeah. that it was so different from everything else. And then they followed it up with more cuckolding and ice cream and pickle jokes. So, like, yeah. it, it's consistent in how bad it's gotten, but, like, Owens is the opposite of just, he's a rebel, he's getting locked out of things, he's showing up anyway, he's getting to Shane rather right. than talking about getting to Shane, and it's satisfying. Yeah. It also... <laughs> It also feels very similar to what they just did with Becky Lynch, but I guess it's it's a template that they use all the time. So yep. I can't complain about that, but it is, you know, I don't I don't gravitate towards the uh Rebel storylines because, you know, the Austin McMahon one is so uh, iconic yeah, that it, everything else is just like a, a faint echo. It's a 20-year tread. Yep. It legitimately cuz it was like 96-97 when Austin started to break out and then officially broke out and had his legendary 3-year run, yep. more or less. So I it has a lot of promise in the sense that it's one of those archetypes that they'll use and actually get behind because they've they understand and like they being Vince McMahon and his brain trust of like this has worked in the past this can make money yeah so it could lead to if anybody's going to beat Kofi which Kofi's had a slew of really great matches with not tremendous build like him and Smojo did as best as they could yeah he got fucking shunted with Ziggler for reasons mm. and, but now like if this builds eventually to like Kofi colliding with Owens hooray yeah um, Kofi's probably gonna be fighting Orton next who like that'll be a good match in and of itself I think but, the like, promos that they can do leading up to that will like bring some realness to it there you go I think that's like I'm excited for that feud I'm not excited for that match right because it's Randy Orton in 2019 but yep. like the feud on its way should be really good yeah and like arguably the New Day are, are kind of rebellious in yeah. that like Xavier Woods is incredibly resourceful and hardworking and ambitious to the point where up up down down's gotten something like it's either a million or two million it's two million it's two million so he had like triple h do a walk on on instagram to help celebrate and show the legitimacy of his hard work and they got over by being very different Mm. and sticking with what they were given which was like they had the power positivity to the point that people gave them like the rock heat and then they became The Rock as a triumvirate. Of yeah. Just, like, people love to hate them, and they still do, but now they love to love them. Yep. I think, and they were also just recently another, like, rebel character in the build to WrestleMania with yep. uh, uh, Kofi and, like, getting over Vince McMahon fucking with him for, yep. you know, two months straight. For never fully acknowledged racism. Yeah. Which, bold move, but yep. Kofi Mania hijacked their WrestleMania booking plans, which... It, it was one of the best possible scenarios that could have happened. They listened to the fans. Kofi mm-hmm. won. He's still on top. The New Day are now tag team champions. Yeah. It's continuing to just work really hard in their own way and being trendsetters because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favorite guys with I think counts as a Rebel character lately has been Jay White. Yep. Who I think, like, his he's not really rebelling against uh, management, per se, mm-hmm. but he is fighting up against, like, the... Uh, New Japan mold of what a wrestler should be. Yep. I think, like, one of the things I love about him is um, there was an interview that Tanahashi did, like, the New Japan guy did, like, a couple years back where the interviewer was like, so why don't wrestlers just, like, move out of the way Mm -hmm. when somebody's, like, gonna do, like, a top rope move or something like that? And he's like, well, the fans pay to see us, like, get hit and show how tough we are by coming back and coming back stronger and winning despite... You know, taking hits, so that's why we, like, sometimes let ourselves get hit, which is a very good kayfabe answer. Yep. Uh, Jay White doesn't do that shit. No. Jay White will, like, see a move oncoming, and he will just lie down, or he'll, like, sit in the ropes and not move. He will be as unexciting and fucking hateable uh, a piece of shit as much as he can, and I think that's, like, fan- that's, that's fantastic character work, yep. but also leads to... Things like his his move set is like ninety percent power moves. Yep. So like, there's not much like transition in between. He just hits you with a bunch of things, hopes that it works, and then it doesn't, and then he fucking squirrels away like a piece of shit. Yeah. Like a like a, a scaredy little man. One of my favorite transition moves that he does is if you lure somebody outside the ring, he will hit them against the guardrail. He'll throw them against the ring. He'll hit yeah. them against the guardrail. He'll throw them. Against... His character will do it until the other guy, he either gets tired or the other guy won't let him. Yeah. It's the simplest logic, and sometimes that's best. Yeah. Like, to your point, 
a lot of how he stopped offensive runs against his his opponents in the G1 is he'll just lay flat on his stomach or his back and he'll let the, he'll let himself get like kicked or punched. But he's on his back. You can't really hurt him that much. Yeah, you can't like do a, the big power moves on him. Yeah, when he's just like you know at the edge of the ring on his stomach, and then the other guy just gets frustrated, and then he finds an opening. It's, yeah, it's good shit, man. And I mean, it, to your point, it it's rebellion against like typical establishment and molds, which like this is how you do it right. A yeah. year ago, we talked a little bit about this last week that Tomatonga and Fale kind of fucked with the G one because they got DQ'd a bunch last year. Yeah. And that's kind of the bad way because nobody wins. The fans don't win. The, uh, the the opponents don't really look that great because someone just took a shortcut to not yeah. wrestle them. Jay White is still fighting and he's losing, but like he's losing in his way that adds more depth to his character. Definitely. And makes it more challenging for people to have to work around his tricks. Like Ishii grabbing Gato to start a match is genius. Yeah. Because that way the manager can't interfere for Jay White. You have to neutralize him first, which he did. Jay White takes shortcuts, so Ishii threw a fucking chair at him, because he was like, alright, if you yeah. want to do this. Um, and that's how you beat him. You have to play a little bit of his game, but not enough that you play into him fully. Right. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. The the uh, It's a stark contrast to the Tongans last year, because, mm. like, I think part of the problem with that was that it was, they were rebelling, they were uh, outwardly re- rebelling against, like, management. They were just saying that they're rebelling, but they it wasn't clear what their goal was, really. There wasn't one. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, I think the part of that has to do with probably... The Bullet a- Club Civil War. Yeah. Sorry. AEW starting up and, like, taking away, like, three, four of their, like, top guys. Yep. But uh, I think that I think that storyline probably had somewhere else to go than, than it went because, like, the plans just had to change. But, like, yeah, they just kind of drifted through and then sometimes sometimes they'd win. And then sometimes they'd be like, I don't care about winning. And then they lose. And it'd be like, why? What's the motivation here? Yep. Um, if to, to WWE's credit, they're uh, as repetitive as it is to see a wrestler fight against the McMahon. Uh, there's at least always clear stakes at what's going on. Right. And why you want the, the non-McMahon person to win. Yeah. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. is another great rebel guy. Because yeah. for years and years heading into New Japan, they told him to be a junior. And he played that game a little bit, but then very quickly, around the time he started competing in the G1, I want to say two years ago, he was like, no, I'm this light so I can do submissions. Yeah. Which is perfect because it makes him different, it keeps him different. The size discrepancies between people like him and Okada or Fale or Archer are so visually stark that you instantly understand. Yeah. Okay, he's not going to muscle anybody, but he's going to rip your joints apart. And yeah. he never conformed to a different style. He just became submission master Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, he's yeah. What a great guy. Also, a uh, fucking communist, and I'm into that. <laughs> um, uh, I I stand for him IRL as well. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, God. Um, who else, man? Um, I'm I'm gonna ask you for help on the name, but um, Odio Tai oh, in oh, Star Oedo Tai. Oedo Tai. Yeah, and uh, the faction led by Kimura. Um, um, uh, Tokyo Cyber Squad. Tokyo Cyber Squad of just like having never seen Stardom before, yeah. which, which for me was the kickoff of them of the entire company drafting people to their separate factions. Instantly gravitated to those two because I'm just like you're anti-establishment. You're just character driven, which right. I always invest in heavily more. Of just like tell me why you want to do things and then show me. Mm. And I feel like those two factions do that the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a great job. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, Edo ties like. They they're definitely they're pulling off the half-hearted. Um, we want to win sometimes kind of vibe much better than the the Bullet Club did last year. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes because like a lot of new a lot of Stardom shows just one kind of filler. Yep. So yeah, why don't you know why don't you just do your half-assed best as they put it? Yeah. Uh, be the best and the worst. Right. And and then the stakes when you are that kind of like medium yeah. to low energy is that like sometimes they did a victory dance and then they lost a match to not do the victory dance <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Um, oh, I miss their dance, their entrance dance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I mean, Kagetsu, it, it worked better when Kagetsu was their top champion mm. for a long time, but, uh, now it's kind of like, I wonder what their direction is, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. They're doing good work. Um, you should check out that stardom tag match that I put it in our, our group chat though. Uh, good showcase for Jungle Kiona. Nice. Uh, who is not a rebel. Uh, she has fully assimilated into Tokyo Cyber Squad. Hooray. With, uh... The, the neon uh, neon gear and fake guns. It's <laughs> it's pretty adorable, pretty great. 
Yeah. Um, tip of the hat to Japanese culture. They can pretend to have gun violence against kids before a match, and it's not <laughs> problematic. Yes. It's a little problematic, but it's not too problematic, because you, the odds of someone having a gun in Japan are pretty low. I mean, if if for no other reason to frame the point, then a kid can pretend can have a pretend gun pointed at him. Yeah. The pretend the adult can pretend go bang, and the kid can go ah. Yeah. Pretend to get shot and crumple, and yes. it's just like yeah, none of that was actually happening. It was theater, and it's fun. Yes. Yeah. Learn delightful. America. Yes. Delightful. Oh god. Um, big fan. I love when a heel is fucked over by management. Sometimes, um, just like all right, I think it was our first episode we talked about this, but uh, Ginny's been on her anti-Eve, like, shit for a while, uh, yep. ever since, I don't know, she came back a couple shows ago, a couple months ago, and, like, she was in a, a goodbye match, a, a loser leaves town match, basically, and then she lost, mm. and fucking found a loophole to stay in, yep. and she's basically been there every month since. Yep. Uh, pretty, pretty impressive, considering she's also on NXT UK. Yep. But, yeah, I love watching uh, Heel, like, you know, use the rules to their advantage and uh, both rebel against the fans and against the face uh, management that wants them to get away. Yeah. It's it's the wrong kind of rebellion for the right reasons because yeah. it's all selfish. Um, and what I really like about Eve booking and the way that it filters into their matches is that she's just vicious. Yeah. Like, it's not just, you know, I'm going to do things differently and then I'm going to run away when there's a fight. No, I'm just going to fight tooth and nail for my own bullshit self-indulgent reasons but i'm gonna fight yeah oh you know what? Uh, another similar example uh mike Kanellis and drake maverick had a really good um uh, exchange on 205 live which i think is gonna get overshadowed by the gable gallagher match mm-hmm. deservedly but still um it's interesting because basically the setup is that for months mike Kanellis has been demanding more opportunities on 205 live and drake maverick has been kind of waffling on him because he's yeah, he's he's whining too much. It's annoying, and he's not winning as much as you know he might need to get in these big spots. Yep. Uh, but also concurrently on Raw, they've also had their own storylines that have nothing to do with anything. Where Drake Maverick has been trying to hold his marriage together and <laughs> win the twenty four seven title, yep. which you know we all want to have it all. Yeah. It's a very relatable storyline. There you go. Um, and Mike Kanellis has been cuckolded. And had had his manhood questioned by his wife, uh, and those all four of those points came together on Tuesday on Two Hundred Five Live with Mike Kanellis uh, accusing, take perfect psychology, taking the insult that's been thrown at him, throwing it at somebody else, saying that Drake Maverick's not a real man, yep, uh, and like threatening him until Drake Maverick snapped and punched him in the face. It was the most satisfying thing until the match that happened ten minutes later. There you go. So good. Good yeah, storytelling, man. And I think like the best, the the two best examples I can think in NXT off the top of my head of just like a rebel playing the long game is Adam Cole. He yeah. showed up day one of just like I'm the best, and eventually I'll prove that. But I'm in no hurry, and now he is. Yes. And Velveteen Dream, he does nothing the same way anyone else does. Mm, yeah. And that's why people for lots of reasons, but that's one of the main reasons people love him and follow him. Yeah. Is that he's so different and he's so committed to himself. Yeah, he's committed to himself and his character is very clear cut. And like once he got to find that Alistair Black feud, it's been like perfection ever yep. since. Oh man. Um Yeah. We, there aren't you know what there aren't that many rebel rebellious NXT storylines either. Which is kinda cool. Yeah. yeah. William Regal is just that likable guy. The th- when people have a grudge in NXT that he like whether or not it's clearly explained this way, he has an open door. Yeah. People literally burst into his freaking yeah. headspace and start yelling at him. And most of the time, he'll listen to them or be forced to and then make a decision that results in matches, which, my God, in, on a wrestling show, <laughs> the end result is matches. What yeah. a concept. But it's it's simple meat and potatoes booking that leads to the workers, the wrestlers just getting to focus on the matches themselves. Yeah. Really getting to let their personality shine in their promos, and it leads to moments and matches meaning more. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. All-time favorite, Rebel? Uh, I thought a lot about this, and I feel like it was easier to chunk it up by decade. Okay. I feel like in the modern era, it's punk. He, okay. He's single-handedly responsible for social media being part of WWE. True. Um, he kicked the door in and kept talking about it until he made it relevant. Um, Stone Cold, 
in the 90s, in course. the late 90s, because he's responsible for the WWF staying open. Mm. Um, Shawn Michaels helped to get there with DX. They're kind of like your marketable rebels that they keep trying to make money off of. Yep. But Stone Cold showed up, and that was his entire exist it, like identity. Yep. Was, I am a rebel, I'm going to beat the shit out of my boss to glorious fanfare, and, in, and just like moment after moment. Um, before like concurrently, Sting. He was the only guy who could stop the NWO. Yeah. Which and, is weird because NWO were their own rebel group, and yeah. then they became the establishment. Right. Which, I mean, at the time, the WCW, it wasn't even that it was a corrupt establishment, it was just tradition. Yeah. And tradition was represented by a guy like Ric Flair, who, before he was the establishment, he was the rebel. He was mm-hmm. the leader of the horsemen. The horsemen were so good as rebels separately, they came together and became the first unstoppable stable in wrestling ever. Yeah. So definitely them, and they came together in part and were disbanded, arguably, by the original all-time great rebel, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. He showed up and w- by himself and then eventually got help from people like the Road Warriors and Magnum TA and other like regional heroes were able to stand up to the Horsemen, which led to things like war games and memorable steel cage matches and title switches. Yeah. Um, so it really depends on the era. Um, in, like... In modern times, just in Japan, Kota Ibushi, he got banned from buildings from jumping from high things. I don't. I wouldn't count him as a rebel, though. He's just like... I mean, I guess he is a little big, because he refused to sign with them for so long. And didn't like, join any stables, yeah, but he's true. just always... The only person he's ever had any like long-standing connection to is Omega. Right. After that, it's just beating people to death like, well, for fun. I would argue not, because he... The part of his character is that he glorifies the top guys of New Japan. Like, he worships Tanahashi as a god. Yeah. So he's very much in... I think he, he very much models himself after the company. So I wouldn't say that he's a rebel, really, other than, you know, be, just being rich enough to not, like... Supposedly he's independently wealthy, and that's why he's just, uh, you know, flaky about being in wrestling. That makes sense. Here, Here is what I would say yeah. in response to that. And this is big kudos to the English commentary team in New Japan for making this talking point, hammering it home. Mm -hmm. What's the name of Ibushi's finisher? Uh, Kamagoye. Which means? Uh, Beyond God. There you go. His ultimate goal is to kill Tanahashi out of respect. I don't think that's it, though. I don't think that's his goal. I think it's just him saying that he's like... He's got something that's going to push him beyond it, but I don't think he wants. He has any adversity to Tanahashi. I don't think it's adversity. I think it's, like, twisted admiration. Yeah. he almost killed Omega last year in their G1 match. True. Like, he put two knees in his sternum. True, true. You break off a xiphoid, that you stab yourself to death. Your true. bones do that. Yeah. Like, that's how much he admires people, is he wants to hurt them really bad. It's I guess. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, continue with your point. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, I mean, that, I mean that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And, like, so if he's independently wealthy, it helps explain the freelancing, but, like... They hammered this, the, the latest um, G1 special was this morning, and I watched it, and I won't say any of the results right. so you can catch it, but they he's not trained either. He's not, he trained himself. Yeah, that makes sense. So, like, from, that's punk rock at its finest. Right. Like, just, like, he wanted to wrestle, but he didn't want anybody to show him, so he taught himself. He became a killer kickboxer. He melded the two, and literally no one moves like him. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's on his own plane. Yep. For sure. Um... Like, way bonkers out there, guy, unless you got someone in mind, uh, like, uh, rebel-wise. Uh, my top period is Daniel Bryan. Yep. Um, because, like, he just had... It was a perfect storm of, like, the internet and the internet fans, like, colliding with, like, real fans seeing how good this guy is and then pushing him onto, you know, main event, the underestimated that ended in a, uh, uh, a zero number. Yep. So, like... It's one. It's going to be one of the ones that they like look at a lot, uh, especially since they can't do that with twenty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, not without yeah. a, sen- a lot of sensor buyers and Eddie Guerrero celebrating by himself. Yes, yeah, they're going to have to. <laughs> but yeah, that, I think that was like a culmination of like years long storytelling that and like real life things like colliding in a way that you know is one of those things that per- wrestling is perfect, uh, similar to Kofi Kingston, but I think. Um, that was also kind of an echo of the previous Daniel Bryan moment. So yeah, yeah. my way way out there one, yeah. if I may, Vampiro. Interesting. Yeah. Literally showed up from Canada to Mexico, not knowing how to wrestle, right. and just looked so different that 
um, the promoters there just made him a babyface because fans lit- like the way he describes it, which it's Vampiro's narrative, so God help you yeah. with if any of it's true or not, is like people fell on top of him to not get him, like not let him get hurt. Wow. And like he became a legend in Mexico so much so that he became part of WCW. Yep. Got a feud with Sting at a time where it was hard to get spotlights with or like cohesive ones with Vince Russo's crazy booking. Right. But he had a feud with Sting. Yeah. Um, I remember that. WCW folded and then he went to Japan and he hurt himself so he couldn't really like have a mainstay feud or breakout there. But then for me, he fell off the radar until Lucha Underground and he is the biggest reason why Pentagon Jr. became the center of the show. Yeah. Yeah, their their um, chemistry was really good. Yeah. And their storytelling, like, was almost all outside of the ring other than, like, what, one match? Something like that. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good uh, Pretty good gig for, for that guy to, yeah. you know, push things. Two, like, people I hold in analog who I feel like are different enough that I hope this illustrates the point I want to get to is that Pentagon broke arms for weeks mm. and was serving a dark master, and eventually it paid off with he fought Vampiro, broke his arm, and then it turned out Vampiro was his dark master. Right. Excellent. Chris Masters put people in a master lock for weeks. Yeah. For no reason other than self-servingness, and then eventually Bobby Lashley broke it. <laughs> and then Chris Masters had nothing. Yeah. But if he was doing it to impress somebody else, like a mentor figure or a manager or a tag team partner, it would have built to something lasting so that when the gimmick was over... He would have had a direction. It's a good point. He floundered yeah. infinitely after that. Yeah. Uh, one doesn't help that the Master Lock is a dopey-looking submission in yeah. that time period because it's a, a full Nelson, which uh, is usually just the setup to something at this point. Uh, also, that's a good point, but it's also... Uh, it's, that's definitely how WWE does all of their monsters, which is too bad and very short-sighted, and they could learn a thing or two from Lucha Underground. Yeah. Uh, also, do Kung Fu fights backstage. Uh, Nunchuck dragon. I don't. I cannot put. I cannot put it lightly. Lightly at all. Uh, fucking do some nunchuck fights. Have some dinosaurs. Um, I mean, look. Everyone loves Luchasaurus. Um, yep. He is a walking bounce house. And, <laughs> like, just have you know. So have have a rebellious dinosaur. You know, come out and be like, hey, Vince McMahon. You're old enough to have seen the comet that killed my family, and you did nothing. And then he fights Vince McMahon um, for dinosaur rights. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! God. The, it, in terms of just wonderful carny long-term payoff, imagine if Luchasaurus fought Vince McMahon for the rights to the Cody Rhodes name. <laughs> <laughs> I think, from what I've seen in interviews, Cody can use the Cody Rhodes name. Okay. Uh, apparently, he just chooses not to. It's smart. It's very interesting, but it's, yeah. It separates him from his legacy that he gets to tap into at will, but it doesn't yeah. paint him as just that. Right. Yeah, so I, I guess that is the reason, but yeah, apparently he can use it. I, we all thought that it was a legal thing, but yeah, yeah turns out. And, uh, and like an obvious slam dunk of just like him, the Bucks, and Omega. They started a company to be different. Yeah, for sure. Um, And yeah, just like a fun throwaway one, AJ Styles, he thinks the Earth's flat. People still love him. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think a lot of wrestlers seem to... I think the earth is flat. There's like several enough that you know you could form your own uh, bullet club. If it's really more of a frisbee club um, <laughs> as far as projectiles go, but it, it's so distressing when you hear like Jeff Cobb, AJ Styles, anybody else. Like you guys have literally been around the world, and some people never will. Yeah. What do you think would happen if you never got off the plane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Honestly, it takes a certain kind of person to like be like I'm going to be a wrestler and also like pursue it so hard that they're successful at it. It's true. So maybe I mean that and taking so many bumps kind of messes with your brain cells, or maybe it's just like you know what you see enough of the world, you're like I don't know everything, and then it's just that kind of humility that like makes you think maybe I don't know that the world is round, uh, dis- despite yeah. despite the space, despite the space people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Chris Tatlander looking at you. <laughs> yeah, there's a Chris Tatlander and uh, the NASA people. Um, still haven't returned my calls about sponsoring this podcast, but who knows? Maybe the we NASA get NASA people. <laughs> maybe we get to, get some of that space money. Maybe after episode 100, they'll. Uh, I don't know. You know, maybe maybe if we get another person in the White House, they'll get enough of a budget 
that they can sponsor a podcast or two. Um, who knows? They are working with uh, Apple to make a Snoopy show. Um, <laughs> so, like, they're not completely out of the entertainment business, is my point. Yep. Like, we could be the next Snoopy in space. Yes. <laughs> Bucket. Coming to Apple TV. I just, I love the idea of anybody discovering the show, and if we ever described it as, like, a politics podcast, <laughs> with how randomly, like, communism, the space program, flat earthing. The personal is the political, man. That is, you know, I'm going to express myself, and if people don't like it, they can they can tweet at me. I forget where the block button is, so... <laughs> I, I just put up with the haters... Um, all day. Because <laughs> you can't be asked to figure out where the turn off haters button is. Yeah, it's, I don't know, they got if a lot of features. there's a stronger measure of your conviction, then I'm too lazy to fight. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, I fight back, but it's like, true. also, you know, I just don't, I'm not going to shut you off if you have a different opinion of me. Mostly because I can't. I still confuse the delete tweet and share tweet buttons uh, a lot. I am so distressed by the idea of you taking a bath because I feel like you would just never let the water stop running. <laughs> it's just like a sense of admiration for water in its individual spirit. Water's cool, man. <laughs> We're all like 70% water. It's true. It, why stop ourselves by stopping bath water? That would be the most rebellious thing of all. <laughs> it's stop true. water. Never stop. Giver of life. Never stop bathing. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's our motto. Yeah. Alright, uh, I think that's a bit, that's been the wrestle down. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jer Plopple, twitter.com, swing dangling. I am Dennis Bruno at SenseiDennyB on Twitter, at DBruno42 on Instagram. And Keaton, Keaton Kid and Man Fuzzy, uh, he left us, like, very early on. He He's rebellious in his own way. Yeah. Uh, he walked away from the podcast, um, but he still loves us, he still loves you. And his Instagram is Keaton Fuzzy. Yeah. Uh, Looks like he's blowing up a bouncy house. Oh, little man. You don't have the funds to rent a bounce house. But he's got the air to inflate it. Yes. Well, not really, because he is asthmatic. No! Um, <laughs> he is my asthmatic little man. What a little rebel. <laughs> blowing it up anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, this has been the Wrestle Down. Wrestle up, wrestle down. Bounce around. <laughs> Burn it, 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 burn